0: Welcome to the Building Heroes podcast, where we learn to build heroes in our homes to help our kids be prepared for their life journeys. Hi, I'm your host, Molly Christensen, and I love to encourage and mentor you on your path. Welcome, welcome. Today, we have the great opportunity to welcome Kirsten Kirchsteiger back. I'm sure that she can say her name so much more nicely in German <laughs> than I can, but um, Kirsten was one of our podcast launch guests, so I'm excited to have her back so we can hear more about her story and her message. So Kirsten is a scientist turned life leadership coach, which is awesome, and she's also a um, homeschool mom in if I remember correctly you never thought you would be mm-hmm. become a homeschool mom but it's been great for you so we are excited to hear your story again and to also you know learn more about your message so do you want to just tell us a little bit more about yourself and you will hear your story
1: okay uh, well yeah thanks for having me back on um I'm sorry my, my daughter just came in so <laughs> um anyway that's the life of a mom isn't it so um <laughs> yeah so thanks for having me back on um some people might remember my story um i'm a scientist um i went all the way up to doing a phd even a postdoc and then had my my kids and everything changed and so my interests changed a little bit um my outlook on life everything like you said um we were hugely into attachment parenting and accepting our kids as the persons they are. And that's how we ended up homeschooling in the end. So, so yeah, it was a total surprise. I remember meeting moms at the playground saying, oh, I, you're homeschooling? I can't imagine doing that because in my country, I come from Austria, it's not really um, very common. And so, so yeah, that was a huge surprise, but we love every day and we love and learn something new every day. Yes, I love that. <laughs>
0: I love that. And it, it's fun because now you can work at home with your kids, right? And sometimes they come in.
1: Sometimes they come in. Yes.
0: Um, which is fun. <laughs> yes.
1: Depends on the day, but yes. Um, yeah, my kids are still pretty young, so it's, it's difficult. We try to set those boundaries around my work time, but again, it's something they still have to learn. And, and so, yeah, yeah. It's, it's ongoing discussion.
0: <laughs> yes, for sure. And you know, the funny thing about raising kids is I think that sometimes we expect that our kids are gonna learn it after we told them a couple of times, but I, I found that it always takes way longer than we think it should. <laughs> <laughs> to, to train our kids <laughs> but they do get there they do get there
1: you yes. know yeah, yeah. And, and I think also for in my situation for example I've been a stay-at-home mom for two years with my daughter two and a half years so uh-huh. for her it's pretty new that I am working hours and then with the pandemic of course dad was suddenly working from home so it was a whole new environment for them to get used to and we had to set, like I said, we had to set new boundaries. We had to find a way of working together to, to, get, to set a rhythm to our days and to find solutions. Um, I always say, mom is a leadership position. And so I think that's really what it's all about. Like, what do we want our kids to take through life? It's not their ABCs because it doesn't matter if they learn them at five, six, seven or eight. But it's rather how you lead your life, how you see, how you present yourself on a daily basis, what your values are. And so so for my kids, for example, with the pandemic, um, our solution was to sit together and to talk about our needs. So each of us made a list of needs. And for us adults, work was included in there, for example. For my kids, it was snuggles and read aloud and puzzles and um, I don't know, like climbing the rope outside, things like that. Um, And my kids, they they like to play tag still because they're still young. So for them, it was a need to play tag And so we had those lists and then we tried to fit it in. we cut it out in post-it sticky notes and then we shuffled our day around so we could meet as many needs as possible from every person. And that really helped, for example. So I think it's showing our kids that we hear and see them, giving them a voice at the table and then trying to find solutions together. And so this is what I envision. Um, I think that's my my most important job honestly of course I have to feed them and keep them alive right (laughs) but aside from that I think it's not so much teaching them um, it's rather showing them how I live life and that I learn I'm a constant learner and I see that now with my business I'm doing a lot of new things to me and I see my kids imitating it in play I see so I think this is the this is kind of how I see value in what I'm doing.
0: Oh, I love that.
1: I love that because
0: um, it is tricky sometimes to help your kids feel like they're seen and heard, especially when life gets chaotic and you're working from home and, and all these other things. But, but even not during a pandemic. I, I love that little exercise that you did. I might steal that and, and try that one out because I imagine that's something that's really good to do periodically because the needs change, you know? And, and they get older and maybe they don't want so many snuggles, sadly, but, <laughs> you know? But yes, I, I also love that you say that motherhood or mom is a leadership position. And I know you've also mentioned too that motherhood is the best personal development program. Yes. You wanna speak more to that?
1: Well, I think for me in my, yes, well, I, I think there's two things. For one, I think I, I realized it with, in my personal story, like what motherhood brought and, and brought up in myself. And, and when I knew, noticed, um, you know, those helpless little beings, and, and I was totally overwhelmed and I didn't really know how to take care of them. And of course, yeah, you, you Google, you, you look up internet, you ask people, but I didn't have a lot of friends who had babies. So, um, I just found some sources that I trusted or that I learned to trust and, and I followed a lot, my intuition. Um, and so from that, I suddenly started questioning a lot of things of, about my upbringing, and um, I think one book that I, I I read was *Parenting from the Inside Out* by Dan Siegel, and so it starts. It helps you kind of work through your childhood because I didn't want to to repeat patterns that I had lived through. I wanted to break through. So it was a lot of internal work. Um, And and also talking to other moms, I I heard a lot of the same story. Like not not everybody necessarily had like big drama or traumatic events, but still they wanted to parent in a different way. And they just noticed that in everyday situations, the triggers were not really the behaviors of the kids. It was rather a flashback into their childhood and, and so in, into mine as well. And, and so I think this was the biggest push to try to be the best version of myself. And yeah, I think it's a daily learning. I, I'm, I, I, I said I'm a lifelong learner. So I'm, I'm humbled by what my kids have learned me. To do and what have, what they have taught me like the risks or the you know how I, I didn't know I was that brave for example but I'm I'm getting braver by the year I would say because also I think with age everything becomes more relative and you think more. you know peer pressure is not that important anymore oh, <laughs> so perfect. so yeah that's that's more or less my my story my take on it
0: Oh, I love that because it's so true. It's like, until you have, you know, you can read all the books you want and and watch all the videos you want on how to raise a baby. But until you actually have one, you have no idea what it's really like. And all of a sudden you're responsible for this amazing little person and you do not want to fail them. And you want them to live up to their potential and become that person that you know they can become. And that's what inspires you to change. I love that. I mean, I think that's so true. I think sadly though, is a lot of times we see the potential in our kids, but then we also see the, the loss of potential in ourselves. And then we, we start trying to make them do what we never did for ourselves, unless we decide to take the path like you're talking about, where we go first.
1: Yes, I, I think I'm not I, I can see that happen and um I think for me it is more about so so we we started with Montessori. Um so attachment parenting when there were babies, elimination communication and all that. So really huge about connection, but then we also saw um, how how they were soaking up everything in their surroundings, and so so I read more and more about Montessori, and and for me it was always important to give them a lot of independence, and and so we set our house up that way. Like my my kids with eighteen months, they were drinking out of glass um, cups, and they had like shelves at their height. They could take snacks. They learned how to, you know, whatever they can cut, like bananas and stuff. So so. Um, you set up the home in a way where they can they can feel successful. And Montessori says never help a child, or said um, never help a child with a task that they feel confident in doing, or that they can complete themselves. So so that was always our guiding force. Um, as they get older, it becomes a little more tricky, I would say, because all the let's say a lot of the parenting choices my husband supported but I was the one like I said trusting my intuition um, reading up um, on it and my husband was full on board when the time came to homeschool it changed a little bit I think he had like the the impression or the need to step in more because he felt more confident that he had knowledge about how to school and how to, to do that. Now, the whole twist in our story is that we mainly unschool now, honestly, like we, we follow, we use Montessori, um, we follow Montessori principles, like I said, like independence, follow the child, but we prepare an environment, we do strewing. So we set out interesting things they can't resist but we explore according to their interests and And so it's been hard for my husband in a way because he was more like he's worried that my son wouldn't read because he's a late late, late air reader. He's not very late yet, but but it's it's not his it's not his strength, definitely. Um, so in a in a regular school setting, this he would be under pressure right, to be a reader and to, because of course, how how do you, how do you teach in a school? (laughs) You need them to read and write, so you, it's easier for the teacher, it's like, it's sort of the the knowledge transfer, which again is like, like you said, like pouring into this cup, which eventually we don't believe in, (laughs) we say that they're their own person and they soak up whatever their interests are, and we try to help them find their interests. So our role now is not top-down, it never was, we are equals. Um, we answer questions, we we provoke questions. Like for us, a lot of schooling is done by, by reading with him, for example, my son and my daughter. And then they come up with questions, of course. And so instead of giving the answer, what like in school settings, for us it's really hard as adults because we went through school. Mm-hmm. So instead of, answering with the the answer we will turn it into a question like what do you think I wonder like so we don't necessarily give answers we keep them wondering and I think this in in education is much more valuable and and I see my son okay he struggles reading and we're trying sometimes we get a little bit out of how do you say, like out of our flow. <laughs> and we kind of want to push it harder on him. And, and those are the, t- the days that we feel worst, honestly, because afterwards there's no need to push a curriculum on him because he's the one letting us know when he's ready and what he wants to learn and explore. Um, so, so those days where we try to fill this cup are the worst in our environment or in our home. Um, but yeah, like I said, for my husband, it's a little bit more of a struggle because he, he did really well in a school setting and he, he really liked it. And I think he has this, this feeling of, I I need to, to have a voice or a stronger voice. And I have to, I have to have more input. Um, Um, so it is difficult. Again, we both are from Europe and homeschooling is not very common. And we both have gone through college. So our education, our sort of top-down learning has been a long path. Um, yeah, but I'm a, I'm a huge proponent of letting the kids develop and, and I think I just marvel at, at what they discover. And, and like you said, like the, this filling the cup, it doesn't really work or, or having them fulfill what I wanted to do. Honestly, I didn't even know what I wanted to do. I, I liked chemistry and that's why I studied and I kept going and I kept going and I kept going because it was just the next step. It was almost a little unconscious, right? I was just climbing the ladder and then I was like, hmm, I don't want this anymore or I don't, well, who am I? What do I want from life? And seeing my kids, how different they are, for example, I mean, there's no way I can push them to be something because they are their own little person. Yeah. No, I
0: love that. It, it's it's so interesting because we do often do that just where we get on a path and we just keep going on it without questioning it. And I love how, I mean, you did use your scientific background to question, <laughs> to find to new answers. and. And then you had to use a lot of courage to step out of the box of what everybody else says. This is how you have to do it. And I don't think your husband's alone in um, (laughs) because, you know, even I, I have a strong belief like you do, where we need to let our kids um, lead the way and that we're there to support them. But still some days I'm just like, okay, let's just learn this, you know, (laughs) And, and get it in your brain and and I try to make them and then it never does work. It's like you're saying, it's it's one of those things where you wish you could do it perfectly. And sometimes when we're talking about it, it sounds like I do it perfectly all the time, but I certainly do not. (laughs) And it is always a pattern where we have to keep looking and adjusting kind of like what you were doing with with the needs, you know? It's so good to always keep checking in. Okay, what are our needs now? You know have they changed or are we still good so it that is kind of the pattern that really helps us as we're helping our kids along that path of the hero's journey which is really what you're trying to do too um you know just maybe sometimes using different words but it, it's all the same pattern yes but you, you know sometimes you just think oh good we're on the journey. Let's go. No problems. We don't have to adjust anything, but you always do. Now, yeah, and
1: go I'm sorry. Bill, go ahead. No, I also wanted to add. It is. It is so true. Like I think the hardest part about homeschooling is that you have to trust in your kids and letting go of control. Um, I think if you have a good relationship with your kids and like I said, you model what it looks like to be curious and to, to, to step out of your comfort zone and to learn something new, they can't help and observe and, you know, they soak it up. Um, But it is difficult. I mean, there, there are times where where you're like doubting and, and, you know, it's, it's hard. So yeah, just create your community that supports you. and, And that's, I think is the, it's the biggest issue like you find some support in those on those days that you feel like it's not working
0: absolutely for sure and i and i like that you said you have to let go of control which is an interesting thing because so many of us feel like but we have to control everything in our ho- homes but truly really the only thing we can control is ourselves which is good and bad
1: <laughs> it's the hardest uh, thing though
0: <laughs> exactly and i'm like yeah. i don't know about you but i'm not always the best at that but i'm learning you know um so in your professional work that you work now you teach moms how to find not balance but you call it flow yes yeah you want to describe that to us
1: well i think in my thesis, like what i told them talked about before i i kind of um touched on it and and our schooling approach you can already see we don't have a strict structure at all um and i chose flow for two reasons i i like flow because um it's like a rhythm to our day that we try to have or seasons you know so it's it gives you a little bit more flexibility and and it lets go of schedule it lets go of too much of expectations too because expectations put so much pressure on us Um, the other thing what I like about flow is there is a flow state theory and so it basically means that you get into a flow state where you kind of you you forget about time and you you know you're so focused on something that you like doing and that happens when the challenge is high enough and your skill is nearly matching like You're still challenged, but you also feel confident that you can solve the problem in front of you. And so I think this just brings it all together. Like we are constantly changing as persons. Um, So our surroundings are changing. Like for us, for example, I don't know, and not a lot of families do that possibly, but like I said, we're from Europe. So right now we are in Europe for four months. So a lot of things had to shift and change and we had to find a new flow. <laughs> and so this is kind of what I want people to get at, to, to not schedule everything and be so precise um, because then you feel like you're getting behind. You feel like you're not getting everything done that is on your to-do list. You feel like too much pressure. Um, so it's, it's really easy to get in a negative state. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my flow. And then um, I bring a lot of uh, leadership development programs into my programs. And, and I'm trained in emotional intelligence. And like you said, the only thing we can control is ourselves. And, and this is why I'm huge on emotional intelligence, because it, it is based on yourself, right? You have to learn to be aware of how you feel in different situations and then learn to respond to your emotions rather than react. And and I again um, that's a skill that is highly sought after in the in the professional market. And and it is a skill that we can develop. And so this is something that I, I think I love working with it because it also creates a better connection with anybody around me, really. Um, so so that's basically, those are my two, my two pillars, the emotional intelligence, and then trying to get away from schedules and into a flow.
0: I love that. Um, so one thing I like to do is I just call it flexi-planning so mm-hmm. that we have something to work towards, but we can be flexible enough that if we choose not to do that or it just doesn't feel right for the day, we can change too.
1: The other thing that makes a lot of sense, yeah. I think And also, it's like a little bit of plan is good because they need predictability. And again, it, it changes with the age, of course, you have seven. So you're arranging probably yes. a lot of ages, but but yeah, for mine, predictability is is good. Like we don't really strictly meal plan, but we had like themed days. And so they knew, okay, this was going to be a Mexican day or this was going to be an Italian day. So, so sort of like, like that.
0: Yeah, and routines and habits actually help so that we can get into flow more often. Mm-hmm. It, helps, it helps with the flexibility, which is so funny because everybody's like, wait, if I have a routine, then that's a structure, <laughs> but, but there's certain things we have to do every day to take care of our house and our bodies and our family
1: so if we can get
0: those into a routine and a habit then that frees you up yes
1: for the rest of the day yeah and and the sooner you I think the sooner you teach that to your kids um the easier it gets like the, the sooner you get your time back (laughs) <laughs> so I'm, I'm a huge proponent of, of teaching my kids a lot of skills. Like when I do laundry, they help me fold, like they fold their own laundry and they put it away. And and so it just helps them see how much work there is around the house. Mm-hmm. And again, like for us with the pandemic, I mean, we were homeschoolers before, but with the pandemic with the first lockdown, we were home more of course, because we couldn't go to our co-ops and we couldn't do a lot of things. Um, so I just involved them in much more because I suddenly had the time
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I could say no this is something we do and if you help if we help together I have more time to read to you or we have you know we can play a game again and and so it helps them understand the work that is has to be done but also it teaches them a skill like I sometimes I have to do things I don't want to do it at, at this moment but I can um, and it helps me then do something else later. Yes, yes,
0: for sure. So um, with the emotional intelligence piece of, of flow, um, that is something too that I have discovered that if we are always angry at each other and if I'm yelling at the kids, I mean, I don't do that so much anymore, but when I was a young mom, I did not have a lot of emotional intelligence because I did not grow up that way (laughs) at all, and um, so in a way, I mean, that's one good thing that's coming out of all the stuff in our world is that people are seeing the need for more emotional intelligence, for sure, not just in the leadership or professional development areas, but, you know, even just for moms, when I started to realize that I had a lot of power over the, mm, the emotional environment of my home, I it changed things a lot for me. It, and I didn't have to get really angry about everything and they didn't have to either. So do you have any really good tips about emotional intelligence of where to start if people are feeling like, they're
1: always mad or sad or whatever. So um, yeah, the first step is always self-awareness. So the, the, usually the first practice that we, we recommend is to look back, like look at situations or for example, remember, write down as many emotions as you can remember that you felt yesterday. And then we have a list with tons of emotions. And then you do the same exercise looking at the list and you you see how much, if you have the vocabulary, like the list in front of you, you will be able to identify many more. Um, And I think it's Brené Brown who said like the average person can only uh, mention or say five or six emotions. Um, So we really have to increase our emotional vocabulary. Um, So, is the first exercise that you learn to notice how many emotions you feel and which emotions and then the second step would be to invite a pause like when you when you notice that you're being triggered and that basically means that like you said if you're yelling it basically means that you're um if you use i don't know if people are familiar with Dan Siegel's um hand model the fist model so if you look at our brain um our thumb would be the amygdala, the emotional brain or lizard brain. And then the prefrontal cortex is our thinking brain and it's kind of wrapped around and connected. But when we get upset, um, angry, um, triggered, and we start yelling, what usually happens is that our, the situations are being analyzed by our emotional brain. And when we get triggered, we get into a fight or flight uh, response. Which means that our prefrontal cortex, we flip our lid, like Dan Siegel says, and this vocabulary is really useful for little kids already. Um, so you can explain the hand model and say, "Flip your lid." You flipped your lid. Your prefrontal cortex, your thinking brain, is disconnected, and you can't help yourself. But you yell, or you, you know. Now we we yell, we we feel attacked, so we defend ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's our f- um, fight, flight, or freeze mode too. Then our biochemistry kicks in. So our hormones start actually reinforcing that. And so you will notice you feel in your, your maybe your, your heart beating faster. Maybe if it's, if it's like a situation of danger, you might feel it in your stomach. Um, so this is because the hormones work on us and our blood gets diverted into our limbs to get ready to flee. Um, when we notice this happening, um, we would like you to invite a pause. So basically counting, like if you have worked with kids a little bit, it's usually all the things that you would tell kids as well, like count backwards from 10 or take deep breath or imagine the box breath, which would be four breaths in up, four out, four in, four out. So very slow. And and you just imagine doing this. Um, what else have I, with kids, I have used the blowing the... <laughs> the flower like you you sleep low the flower so basically you have to find a way to calm yourself down and then you can finish the conversation or redirect your kids or maybe you know if it was a different situation but it is important to learn that and that's the first step however when it happens when you yell it is important not to get very upset about yourself and you know blaming and shaming yourself. I think it's also an opportunity to teach your kids that this can happen, that even adults lose it sometimes. And then trying to reconnect with your kid later on and saying, hey, I'm sorry, this was not supposed to happen. I should have been able to react differently. I was just triggered. I, I felt this and It really made me mad, and I said maybe I said things or I yelled, and I didn't want to. So showing them, modeling them, an apology, and that we lose it and that we can make it work again, I think is a really important thing to consider. Like, don't don't go into this. Oh my God, I'm I'm at five at five p.m. I start yelling because I'm done. I mean, it's as a mom, (laughs) everybody know our days are really long. And so you're trying to control yourself all day long, but in the evenings, for me, it's evening time when I'm exhausted already. It's harder for me to control myself all the time, and and I certainly have yelled at my kids, or I have, yeah. Would like, you just go to bed <laughs> exactly. already? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. and so so I think it's an opportunity. Don't don't. Yeah don't go into that mindset of, oh my God, I, I messed up. And, and this is non-repairable because they also have to learn and they have to see that we can repair our, our mistakes.
0: Absolutely, no, that's excellent advice. And really, I mean, when I was stuck in that mode because I was stuck in that mode for a while, I would beat myself up and I would tell myself what a terrible mother I was because I was yelling at my kids but then i would try to justify it by blaming them for being terrible kids which really does not build a good connection with your children yeah. when you're blaming them when they're not they're just being kids <laughs> you know <laughs> they weren't trying to trigger me and and you know there were times when i felt almost hopeless like i could never actually figure this motherhood thing out and you know the good news is is that it is just a skill and anybody can actually learn how to do this. And you know, even now, I'm, there are days when I wonder if I can figure out this motherhood thing. <laughs> but for the most part, I can do what you say. I can go back to them and I can say, I am so sorry, I shouldn't have responded that way. And I'm gonna try to do better. You know? And I think it's very powerful to do that yeah for sure because when i was back in my days of being stuck at yelling at kids i didn't ever want to show that i was wrong i didn't want to be vulnerable and i was always right to them which what does that teach them it Mm -hmm. it teaches them hide your feelings and don't say anything and it teaches them to shut down which isn't great either
1: so i mean that is the good news there's hope And and like you said, some of us, like myself included, I didn't grow up in an environment where emotions were talked about or space was held for it. So sometimes it is hard for us to hold that space or to see our kids struggle uh, and we wanna make it better. But what we really should do is just hold the space for them and say, oh, I see you're upset, you know and and, and let them feel the emotions. Like you said, not shove it down but feel it, express it. Like I said, give them the vocabulary. And then just, you know, I always compare, uh, compare it like with um, the analogy of the the clouds that are passing by, right? We feel oh, an emotion, yeah. it's, it's a momental state. It's not there to stay. Like in a day, like I said, how many emotions can you feel in a day? Hundreds. <laughs> it's it's really, you're sad one moment, you're happy then you're like exhilarated and you're, you know, there's so many different things you can feel. And so we have to make it clear to our kids that it's, first of all, there are no bad emotions. They might feel uncomfortable or yucky or whatever word you want to use with your kids, but they're not inherently bad or good. It's just, it's a way of our, our system, how we have evolved to notify us of danger or of good interactions and good things so so i think this is important um and i wanted to say something else and i forgot oh the parenting (laughs) yes (laughs) so one thing I, i sometimes do with my kids i mean now my older one is almost eight and sometimes i'm just honest i'm like hey i'm sorry i did this wrong i i thought i should do it this way but i don't think this is really working i need your help here and, and I, I honestly, I told him a few times already, look, this is the first time my husband and I are parents. So we are new at this thing. We're still learning how to do this. And, and so for us, it's like, we have our core values. So we always build around those. Like for us, it's important that we can trust each other, um, that we can be honest. and so. And so this is part of me being honest. I'm, like, I'm telling him, I'm mom for the first time, you two are my experiment in reality. Like I'm learning every day and I, I don't know if I'm doing it right. I'm trying to do my best. Yeah,
0: that's so good. You know, kids are guinea pigs. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just how it is really. But, um, cause yes, we are still learning too. You know, I love that analogy that you bring up that feelings are like the clouds because, another, you know, they are just passing by. But another thing I thought of too is they're like the clouds, but they're not part of you. They don't define you. They are not you. And, and that's, that's just a really cool analogy that little kids can even understand. Yeah. So if you have a bad emotion, that doesn't mean you're a bad person or if you've labeled it bad, you know, you said they're not good or bad, but we define, we, we attach meanings to them yes, because, because we don't want to feel some of those emotions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, that's pretty wonderful. I love that tip. And I, and I love that idea that we need to really be more conscious in teaching that emotional intelligence to our children, because as we can see out in the world, a lot of people, would probably have happier lives if they knew that skill, for sure, <laughs> because then we can choose how long the emotions uh, stay with us, and I mean, even though there, there are clouds passing by, I think there's some things we can do to make the wind blow them faster if we don't want yes, them to stay as long, <laughs> but we can, it's not like we can, we can't stop them from coming in, because sometimes they just come in, Yes. yeah, so. That's really great. So, do you have any other um, tips or things that you wanted to share with our audience today?
1: Um, well, not 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 right away, like. <laughs> <laughs> It's kind of difficult. I'm um, just no. wondering if there was something I forgot to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. Um, no, I think if people are more interested in, in, in learning more about emotional intelligence or what it would mean to, to step in, into the leadership role of a mom, um, they could follow me. Um, I, have a, I have a freebie. It's a, basically what I, I did to help my kids learn skills i made some checklists for them to get ready for traveling like they pack their own bags and and stuff like that or getting out of the door or for parkour which is their sport they do um so if somebody wants that that's on my website and that's Um so i hope you probably link to the show notes. Um, otherwise it's dot rcom and forward slash checklists. Um, so that's the easiest way to follow me. And I'm also on Instagram with my first name, underscore last name.
0: Oh, love it. I mean, you have those checklists, which is awesome because that's that's your structure, but then you're still allowing the kids to follow it. You're just, you're giving them guidance, but you aren't making them do that. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yes.
1: And, and if uh-huh. I can add something. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so what I love, I'm not, a so <laughs> I'm not huge on checklists myself. Like I, let's say I learned to love them because now for myself, when I, when I set up um, projects to finish, I, I write out my own checklists to get my tasks off the list. So I kind of like them to keep track and stuff. But for my son, he's uh, struggling a little bit with executive functioning. So getting ready for him is really difficult. And we've tried many, many different ways. And honestly, with homeschooling, it has worked so much better. Um, So I made those lists um, and basically I give them time. I said, if you wanna do this class, we have to be ready by this time. And then I give them the checklist and say, when do you think you need to start? Like, again, it's like, they have to learn the skills. They have to learn hey, how many minutes before do I have to start getting dressed or packing my bag and stuff. Um, so again, it's, it's not only here's the checklist and you do it. And so there is some teaching skills that go yes. along with it.
0: Yes, no, I thank you for that clarification. Now I like that because what you're doing is you're using that to help them train, to help train them how to get ready because I mean gosh I think a lot of us moms probably need that too because oh hurry let's leave kids it's in five minutes you know so sometimes we do that so maybe it can help some of us moms too <laughs> well it will as we train our kids to, to learn that absolutely <laughs>
1: it absolutely does and that was one of the reasons why I started using them because I was like it's always me Uh I'm always the last one out of the door and it always looks like I am the one who's not ready, but I'm just packing for for people. And so I was done with it.
0: (laughs) That is so true. No, I love that. That's great. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us on the podcast and hopefully we'll hear from you again sometime. Yeah. Thanks for having me again. Thanks for listening to the Building Heroes podcast. Can you help more people join the Building Heroes movement by sharing this podcast? More people can find it when you subscribe to the show, rate it, and leave a review. For more help on Building Heroes in your home, get the free Building Heroes resources at www.buildingheroesacademy.com.